So, lemon smuggler extraordinaire, Mimo Gidley. If you could describe this dinner in uh, one word, what would it be? Silly. Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) No, I'm serious. I'm serious. Silly. (laughs) You want me to say it different? No, you're going to fight. Are you going (laughs) to... He's going to fight us on this. I think he just blew out the microphone. (laughs) And now for Dinner with Racers, presented by Continental Tire. With your hosts, Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman. Placeholder Radio. Welcome to Dinner with Racers. I'm Ryan Eversley alongside my co-host, Sean Heckman. Hello. <laughs> so, we are somewhere in northern Florida headed home. I'm seeing exit 11 on the road signs as we pass through. What, what interstate is this? 75. On 75. Yeah. So, uh, we are wrapping up a 30-day journey that took us 8,000 miles over 30 days across 20 states. That's right. And uh, what car took us there? The Acura MDX. And uh, on what tires, perchance? Maybe Continental tires? Weird. But in this whole journey, we had 27 meals with 27 noteworthy people within the sport. Racing drivers, team owners, series people, you name it, they all had something to say. So during our Northern California swing, uh, we went out to a little city known as Sausalito, which is uh, just north of San Francisco to meet up with uh, some guy named Mimo Gidley. Probably my favorite interview because we didn't know we were getting when we got there. We hadn't seen him since his accident that he had last year. Exactly. And when he opened the door standing up, we were both relieved and he was so open about everything. It just made the trip totally worth it. Exactly. So for those who don't know who Mimo is, uh, Mimo is kind of one of those classic American success stories, especially in the world of racing. Mexican-American. Mexican-American. <laughs> you learn about why that's his. Uh, but, uh, you know, Mimo didn't grow up with a ton of resources, grew up in a boating community. We get into that. Uh, but he made it all the way to Champ Car and IndyCar as somebody without years. a lot of means. Seven years. And uh, really had to work his way through the whole process. So uh, a lot of humility, a lot of work, a lot of effort, a lot of talent. We cover all those things. And then, of course, uh, most recently had a, a huge accident in 2014 at the Rolex 24 at Daytona. Still on the path to recovery and... God bless him. He goes into this in, in extensive detail with us. We really learn a lot about his recovery, the process he's going through, the whole thing. And his upbringing is unlike anyone that uh, I think we've ever met. I was really honestly blown away by his sense of humor about a situation and his drive to get back in the seat, which is definitely going to happen. So uh, honestly, might be my favorite episode that we did only because of the things he's had to go through recently. So beyond his recovery, some other things you'll learn about. Bugle Tom. Yep. You learn about his parents being smugglers. Which is hilarious. And uh, all over a uh, delicious dinner from Soul Food, which he had delivered, actually. He had it delivered. I had a barbecue spare ribs, some black beans, white rice, potato pancakes. Uh, or sorry, uh, yeah, potato pancakes. And then uh, you had a chicken sandwich? Yeah. Weird. So let's hear from Mimo. All thanks to Continental Tire. Meow. All right, we're going to start in five, four, three, two. We waste no time. There's no like intros. We just go. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> nice to talk to everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but before we got going, like, 
the the first thing that struck me as we walked in is is you're describing some of the stuff you're going through. Are, are you like a medical expert now? <laughs> um, because I, I I don't think I've ever heard you speak that clinically before on on right. anything. Yeah, so. you you definitely learn. I mean, it's uh, you know I was always just sort of uh, kept to the basics with with just about everything except for racing stuff. But um, you definitely learn because uh, when you're dealing with something that you want to make better so badly because it it hurts so right. much right. that you yeah you're reaching out and you're, you're definitely trying to learn as much as possible. Right. And I assume yeah. like as they're going through stuff and explaining surgeries that you I mean it's probably the first time you've heard of half of this stuff. Oh yeah, no, it's more yeah, definitely the first time I've heard of it because I've really I never uh you know, had one uh uh compression fracture, but it was I was back in the race car two months later and that was after a Long Beach incident like, right. you know, a decade ago. And uh but I never really I never really thought to think about it because I it healed so quickly. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when you have the ongoing like recovery and multiple things and, uh, it definitely gets you thinking, but still I'm not an expert on it. I just <laughs> more on like the recovery. It's like, what has worked for me and where it hasn't worked, you know, like, right. you know, a friend of mine was just involved in a big accident that did a, a fracture on his back also, uh, compression fracture. And so I'm offered to, Hey, any, any advice you need, just give me a call. You know, right. So. right. So, I mean, I, I let's waste no time. I and mean, where are you right now as far as everything? Uh, it's well, um, pretty good. I mean, there's basically, I mean, when you factor in, uh, everything that was wrong, I mean, there's something like 14 bones that were broken and, and, and back, you know? So, um, you know, just in like my left leg right here, right. There was, you know, the heel, I have a cadaver heel. I have fractures down in the lower area of foot bones. I've got two break, four breaks in the tibia and fibia. I've got a titanium rod. So that's just one yeah, leg from the knee down, yeah, exactly. you know? So wow. there's multiple things. So. Um, considering all that, it's, it's all good. And basically I'm just left with two things. One, I need to still, uh, get the fracture, um, solid. Um, and the other thing is I just have this annoying nerve pain that's, uh, you know, like, uh, light years better than it was before because it was just horrendous before. And now it's just like an annoying toothache, but still having a toothache all the time. Sometimes, you know, you gotta, you gotta deal with that, you know? Right. So. Well, like, I mean, specifically we're at your place right now, just because you've yeah. got a couch that you can sit at, you know, <laughs> the right position. Yeah. You can't just call a restaurant and because you don't know what the chairs are going to be like. Kind of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not as comfortable. It's a hit, hit or miss, you know? I mean, we go out to dinner and go to movies and things like that, but it's a little bit hit or miss. And sometimes I just have to get up and walk around, you know, right. which is, is not relief, but it's more relief than sitting in a chair that's not comfortable. Sure. So. Can you pretty much look at it? It's where you're going to sit and go, okay, that's, that chair is going to work. That chair is not going to work. Or do you have to figure it out? Kind of, except it's, you know, it has to do with nerve pain and nerve pain is just so confusing, you know, where right. it comes from and what it is. So it's, uh, it's more just like a position, but yeah, usually if I have enough soft things, like if there's a, a bean bag in a chair, <laughs> I'm good, you know, cause I can right. position it however I want. But if it's square, vertical, hard, you know, no adjustment, then uh, then I'm not into it at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, but it gives you an excuse then to have some bitch and bean bags. I honestly, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I would love to okay, be. Okay, you want to do story number one? Yes. <laughs> so on my boat, I have four bean bags, and in my box awesome. fan, I have three bean bags. So awesome. I never had any bean bags a year and a half ago, so now I have multiple bean bags. Let's put it that way. <laughs> nice. And like, who's gonna argue with you? Is right. the best part. Yeah, I want them. Oh, yeah. they love them too. That's the thing. They're like, oh, I love these bean bags. I go, yeah, I know. Okay. Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, now you can go to uh, to your fiance and be like, yeah. The other thing that would help would be like a pool table 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, a, a jacuzzi would go really nice <laughs> right here in the living room. Oh, yeah, yeah. Need that jacuzzi. Yes, a lot of things. <laughs> nice. Uh, do, do most people that you sort of see or hang out with, does everybody kind of know the deal as far as you being able to sit at certain restaurants or whatever? No, not sort of, not really. You know, I mean, it's it's sort of like one thing you learn. I mean, you, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people that have dealt with this, but when you're going through something uh, yourself, it's hard, even though you relate it to somebody else, it's hard for them to understand. And then they just forget sort of right away, just like I used right. to do the same thing. It's like we all have <laughs> lives and things going on. So it's yeah. not like, unless it's someone close, close and personal, like a family, you know, that right. you see all the time, people just forget. They know you're dealing with stuff that they just sort of forget. You sure, know, so. sure, sure. And I mean, do you still keep in touch with everybody in racing? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I'm not like a social butterfly, <laughs> so to speak. I'm social I. when I'm around people that I like, but it's like as far as you know, uh, you know, uh, texting people or emailing or or Facebooking or you know, it's like. So I keep, um, yeah, I keep, uh, you know, a lot of local people because I see people at the you know Sonoma Raceway all the time at the go kart track or the car track or all the car guys locally. Yeah, I right. see them, but I haven't been to pro races for a long time, so right. I haven't seen or you know, talk to a lot of those people right. unless they've reached out to me. Right. Right. So you were saying you're, you're still getting out to the track and you're still coaching right now, at least locally. Yeah. I mean, it's part of the progression, but it's uh, you know, where I started, no, I could never, you know, I couldn't even drive my street car. I couldn't right. get out of the, out of, off the bed or whatever, but right. yeah, now, no, I do coaching, you know, um, you know, which I enjoy. I mean, it gets me out to the track. It also helps to pay the bills, you yeah. know? Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> well, I but, so, I mean, I'm going to, we'll be blunt. I mean, we were driving <laughs> through here going, how the f*** does he afford this? Because, uh, uh, and then that was before we saw the view. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the like view the, is awesome. So it's, it's, what is it? Nine o'clock at night? Seventh, it's eight o'clock at night. And we're looking over a balcony here in Sausalito. And I mean, you've got the, the best San Francisco skyline you can ask for and the Bay Bridge literally just right out your deck here so uh yeah well you heard of sugar daddy well you know there's also sugar mama no. yes <laughs> nice. all right okay so i'm gonna need some advice okay so how does that work <laughs> yeah where do i meet that uh, nah, for, for I mean, anyone that's listening that doesn't know where sausalito is because i had no clue it's like the first right you can take when you cross the golden gate bridge yeah, heading yeah. out of san francisco yeah and then it's we're kind of sitting on the side of the mountain yeah, you know, yeah. As, as i would see it so yeah. If I were to jump off your balcony, which I can't really see, like how far down is it? Right, just right there. Is it? A oh, it's not far. It's a gradual. Well, I didn't. You know, let's try it. Let's I think it's like off. I think yeah. it's like two or three feet. So you okay. can do it. No Let problem. Let me go first. Yeah. <laughs> it's another year now. So um, it's a great. It's a great. It's a great spot. I mean, it's just having the bay. You know, it looks like a swimming pool out there in the day. You guys are here at night, but it's, you know, it's where I was raised. It's the water is the other thing that I that I have a passion for. But it's like seeing tanker ships or container ships going in and out and, and sailboats yeah. and people enjoying it and just the view. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I so. love that stuff. Like, especially when you come to a city like San Francisco, we drove up to uh, Buttonwillow, I think, or sorry, down to Buttonwillow from yeah. the last time we were here. And so we went some crazy way, but we ended up going past one of the main inlets for all the, all the shipping containers. And, yeah. I, yeah. and I couldn't believe that. I mean, there was like 30 of them in a row. You know, I'm from oh, yeah. Atlanta. We don't have a lot of shipping that gets <laughs> floated through there. Um, you have to go down to Savannah to see that stuff. So, yeah, just this whole area with the – not only – like right now we're looking at the skyline. You can see that it's beautiful. I don't know what bridge that is. That's yeah. Bridge. Well, the Golden Gate, you can see the tops yeah. right here okay. in the daytime. And then this is the Bay Bridge right here. And then behind that we have aircraft 
coming in from SFO. Yeah. SFO yeah. So it's just an amazing view. Yeah. It's nice. I mean, I, uh, you know, this is sort of definitely a uh, fiance influence, originally girlfriend influence, you know, now fiance, but, uh, you know, I lived if a little bit for you to be here. That's a key. Well, no she's what. <laughs> actually, I shouldn't be saying that too much. Yeah. I, I pay a little bit, <laughs> but you know, I was actually living up North a little bit, you know, about 20 miles, 15 miles. And she was living in San Francisco. And so yeah. this was sort of like the, the medium, uh, you know, point. Boy, so well, crappy compliment. <laughs> I love Right. <laughs> How long have you guys been here? Oh, we've been here like four years. Okay, cool. Yeah. But, you know, I was the thing in Sausalito is I have a lot of history here in my family, too, on the waterfront. But because I was raised on the waterfront, like, I mean, literally um, the people that live anchored out, which is where we lived, uh, majority of them are sort of borderline homeless. Sure. Uh, a lot of them are <laughs> definitely crazy. Um, but it's a great family. But anyway, it's your family. Yeah, so let's get is, into that. Yeah, like, there's so, got to be some pretty this, cool stories like, about that. Yeah, rumor, I mean, legend has it that so you you were a boat guy growing up, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. like literally like, slept on boats. Yeah, like that's yeah. that's what you knew. And I mean, yeah. the legend goes that like when you would get to hotel rooms, you didn't sleep on beds, because, <laughs> right? <laughs> because you just didn't know how to. I didn't know how to. Yeah, no. Actually, well, the thing is in boats is you have the berths are very narrow. Right. And uh, also on the sailboats we were had, if you sat up. Uh, abruptly on the boat, then you knocked your head on the. Right. On the yeah, I'm going to take a bold assumption. We're not talking like three-story <laughs> yachts, right? These no, are, people yeah. think that though. There's they no think, helicopter. Oh, yeah. No, no <laughs> helicopters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so anyway, those narrow, you know, uh, berths that you sleep on, it sort of keeps you confined, you know? So yeah. then when I got into a bed, when, you know, at some point it was like, I'm rolling around and tossing and turning. <laughs> so I actually had a, then decided or got a lazy boy chair, you know, cause it was narrow and I slept in that for like two or three years. Nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> cause I needed something to be, I need to be stationary, you know, yeah. not move. So. Right. <laughs> I guess. That's true awesome. story. Yeah. yeah. True story. <laughs> so, so you were, but it was like, like a water-based family your dad was, yeah. was in the, the the boating industry well actually you know because he was born in 1913 so easily old enough to be my grandfather and then right. some he'd be 105 if he was alive today wow. right. and so he came down here uh just after the great depression uh, or sorry just after the flu epidemic they came down he was living down here during the great the depression because one of his parents passed away and so they moved down here. I mean, he's literally here, I mean, just barely after the 06 earthquake, basically. Oh, yeah, so yeah. So it's still recovering. Well, he was born that. in 1913, yeah. yeah. And so his stepdad then at the time was working for the dynamite company company over in uh, Hercules, which awesome. is across yeah. the. I mean, they made, they produced like dynamite. Ac Acme Dynamite. Yeah. Company, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you only, right, where you, you know. Right, you get at the dynamite store. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, this was, right, exactly. You get at the dynamite store. Go into the dynamite. My story, There's this coyote. Right. He was a huge yeah. fan. So <laughs> right, exactly. The whole winter, <laughs> this one bear wouldn't let it go. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's next to the portable hole yeah. company. Yeah. <laughs> but a whole different, you know, back here, back then, down in Sausalito. I mean, during World War II, you know, this was they would build Liberty ships and they would knock them out in a week. These are like 200 foot steel ships. Yeah. They would make build in a week. This was all down done right here where now it's a lot of tourists are walking around yeah, right you know so there's a lot of history and so he was down here you know and then he was a commercial fisherman and then they also my mom and dad started Casas marina which was the first sailing rental 
school uh, place business in the Bay Area. This was 1958. Wow. And then he actually had a fish dock where he managed where they used to tie up like 200 boats and unload and buy fish. Right. Just there's so much history that he's done down here, you know. And Sausalito's so. kind of transformed over those decades. Because like, right yeah. now, it's I would argue, it's a very, one of the very upscale parts of the Bay Area. But oh, for sure. At that time, it was probably more of like the outskirts that you were at if you didn't want to live in San Francisco. Yeah, well, that was right. It was, you know, there's a difference. There was definitely, uh, right, in the 50s, I don't know, I wasn't really around then to, sure. to see it. But, like, when I was a kid, you know, in the 70s and 80s hanging out around here, it was like there was definitely the waterfront people, and then there was the hill people. Yeah. And the hill people definitely had, had some money. I love money. there was hill people. Hill There's people. hill people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stay away. <laughs> Please come <laughs> capture me, hill person, you know. <laughs> I never said that. but <laughs> well, Maybe sometimes when the water was leaking on my forehead or the boat was leaking or we had to row in to get water, then yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, I wish we had a faucet, you know. <laughs> Those but hill people might be onto something. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you guys did have a house, but you just spent most of your time on boats. Well, we were, you know, my mom and dad went separate ways when I was like five years old, six years okay. old. So my mom lived in Santa Fe and, uh, you know, she was a waitress and, a, and eventually a school teacher. But um, so it wasn't pulling in a lot of money, you know, right. so living very, very tight. And then my dad was living in Sausalito. So they were friends. So we would spend I would go back and forth, uh, you know, 50 percent of the time, at least I was you know, taking a bus down here from Santa Fe, which yeah. was like 10 miles away when I started when I was 10 years old, uh, hopping on a, you know, a, a bus that commutes back and forth. So. Wow. So yeah, I was down here a lot. Didn't yeah. live here so much full time, although my sisters, you know, older sisters did a little bit before that, but um, was definitely living, was definitely down here a lot, you know, right. so. So people living up, living in, in sort of a less than desirable sort of boating communities, those typically don't turn into race car drivers. Uh, no. So, <laughs> not well, fish. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. You, usually you become a fisherman and that's what you Depends are. Depends if it's on the yacht community. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Yeah, fair then, enough. then you probably do become a race yeah. car driver. Not on the yeah, yacht. Yeah, that's more for yeah. the hill people. Yeah, the hill so, people. The hill are, people. Yeah. Those, those people might go into racing. Yeah. But. No, we had, you know, like we had guys like, you know, Bugle Tom, you know, I mean, every... <laughs> Every what was Bugle Tom like? Bugle Tom every 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 as the sun set he was playing his bugle off the back of his boat and yes. his boat his boat you know not we're, again we're talking about you know barely a houseboat you know his yeah. boat which was half of it was painted red and half of it was painted green of course yeah, his naturally. bicycle was also painted that way his Volkswagen Bug this was, was also painted that way I mean like every person you know, uh, you know, boats, Wayne, you know, uh, tugboat, Tom or whatever, everybody had, <laughs> there was always something, you know, so it was very unique. What cartoon know? did you live in? I then? know. Yeah. Seriously. It was, I, know. I know. I know. Be I, was it bugle Tom? It was like something like that. Something yeah. Like that. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's wow. our first bugle story we've had <laughs> yeah. on the podcast. All right. Knock that. Uh, wait, so did you have a nickname? Uh, Mimo is actually a nickname, isn't it? No, that's yeah. another just craziness, you know, I mean, with my background, because I actually wasn't born in the United States. Right. So Jose Guillermo Gidley, uh, which is Mexican. You were basically born in the Baja area. I was born in, yeah, La Paz, Mexico. And yeah. because we lived sort of back and forth down there and had, my dad was very social, and, you know, had a lot of friends, working class. So and I had a Mexican godfather because of, you know, we lived down there. And um, yeah. so anyway, yeah, Jose Guillermo. And uh, so Jose is my first name. 
which I've been thrown out of class before when I was actually in high school because the substitute said Jose Gidley, and they thought they were going to get someone Mexican. I said, here. Right. And they're like, yeah, they said, Jose Gidley, here. They said, you're out of here. That's I'm like, awesome. Jake okay, Willen. So. <laughs> See? Yeah. yeah. So. How, old, how old were you when you first came to the States then? Oh, I was pretty early, like almost immediately kind of thing. Like or? a year and a half. Okay, yeah. But, so before you can remember. Yeah, but another interesting story. I mean, we were, you know, my uh, – actually, I just saw the boat again uh, today or yesterday or the day before. It's a 28-foot friendship sloop sailboat. My parents used to sail back and forth. So I was born down there, and a year and a half afterwards, I was brought back up here. But uh, we, had, my dad had a bag of lemons that he didn't want to turn into customs. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to you. <laughs> I swear to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Who hasn't so, heard that old story? <laughs> right. <laughs> so we sailed right around where we were supposed to check in, like San Diego or something like that. Wow. And uh, sailed right up. and then So your dad had like a lemon so, coyote service. Well, so you were smuggled in is what I'm hearing. Yeah. yeah well, not were. only – this is kind of – yeah, you're not going to tell anybody, About right? To say, so, do you have a driver's license now? <laughs> like, not only am I Mexican, but I was actually smuggled into the country. Yeah, so that sounds about right. Technically, I'm, I'm a wetback, too. But <laughs> <totally not. laughs> That's staying in. Yep. yep. Well, good thing we're not in Arizona. <laughs> so, you Well, you know, the funny thing about that is when I got the won the Team USA scholarship with Jeremy Shaw that yeah. one year, um, I, I, needed to get, uh, I needed to get a passport. Well, so I went down. I never had a passport. I was about to say, you didn't have a birth certificate or anything, did you? Right. And I never really had a passport because I'd never been out of the country, let alone barely flying on an airplane before. And so I went down to San Francisco to get a passport. And uh, they said, okay, pull out your birth certificate. And uh, my mom was there. And she goes, "Uh, well, pulled it out. And it was a Mexican birth certificate. She goes, okay, where's the blah, blah, blah? My mom's like, well, you know, it was the 70s. You know, we didn't stop. And. They're like, there was this bag there of lines. They're like, <laughs> you're going to have to go to window 13, you know, or something like that. And oh, they wow. just eventually approved it, but yeah. it was pretty funny. It was so. a really good bag of lemons. I had to get my passport. <laughs> so. Yeah, I know. It was a great bag of lemons, man. We weren't stopping. So. And history was made. That is, wow. That's my there's, favorite story. I mean, yeah. there's so many stories. It's just, yeah. So because you grew up kind of down in this area, do you yeah. still see – you know, guys that were living on boats when you were a kid, and do they remember you from that time period? Is Bugle Tom still there? Yeah, is Bugle yeah. Tom like, Guillermo? Yeah, yeah, a lot of them. Actually, you know, um, always sad with life, but, you know, a lot of the guys that you remember, um, uh, you know, uh, they passed away, sure. you know, because sure. they were older. But old guys, you know, when I was a, a kid, you know, uh, less than a t- barely a teenager. But still, then there's guys that were, you know, in their 50s or whatever it was, and now they're in their 70s or something, and they – yeah, I mean, they they know my last name. They know me from being this little kid right. roaming around. So it's very cool, you know. And now that uh, uh, that my fiance and I live in Sausalito, and I'm down here, so oh, my boat's down here. But uh, I see people, and uh, it's just uh, yeah, it's just a reunion, like almost all the time, you know. So, so if you're like Bugle Tom and you live down there in the water, <laughs> Bugle Tom. Wait, that's my nickname. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're not bugle time. Uh, okay. you're, you're I'm living the lifestyle. Of you're lem- lemon Mimo. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. me. Yeah. <laughs> so I if you like lemon, if you're bugle Tom and you don't have a house, and I'm assuming much other possessions, do you do like a Viking funeral where they like put you on a wooden plank and like light you on fire and send you into the bay? Because I would sign up for that. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. it's it sounds good to me too. Yeah, I think, like, yeah, it's like possible. everybody shoots like flaming arrows into the water. <laughs> There's bugle like, Tom's playing. Yeah, Bugle Tom's playing. He's himself. absolutely playing. Right. Yeah. The next day, you're still floating out there. They're like, hey, I'm still hey here, guys. this is a problem now. <laughs> Blow. 
Yeah, you never know. <laughs> um, I don't want to change the subject to yeah, something no, serious because lemon, lemon Mimos. <laughs> like, have you seen Planet of the Apes? Uh, Dawn I, of the Planet of the Apes? You yeah, live in it. Yeah, because yeah, like, this is all I think about now is just gorillas running around because this is basically where, where, they, where it takes place. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah this they, is the area. They're, they they're like let the him go at the top of the hill right up here. Uh, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, after the, the helicopter crashed on the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So that literally, all flying. I'm looking for now is, uh, is <laughs> we, Caesar. We get the wrong turn on the way up here because Siri told us a little early, <laughs> and yeah. he's like, "Hurry up! There's gorillas around here." <laughs> I was like, yeah, oh. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, there's a lot of crazy stuff around here. <laughs> it may just been a movie back then, but it might be real. You never know, you know. So That's anything in San Francisco. <laughs> uh, Nothing surprised me. No, so did your fiance grow up in that kind of environment? Because uh, like that, that's a that's unique to you. She's that's a, not. I don't think she's hill people. Yeah. She's hill people. Is she hill people? Um, actually, no, working class because she's Japanese and her family right. immigrated here. I like where this is going. Yeah, yeah, and actually, um, actually, when they first immigrated from Japan, oh, uh, she's actually from Japan, not Japanese American. Yeah, she okay. was actually born here. Okay, but uh, you know, they came over here, and uh, when they came over here, they were working, they were picking, um, picking crops and and. Uh, Modesto in the oh, valley. Crazy. Okay. So that's how you know, and then and then they were gardeners, and then you know, and now her mom's you know pretty successful, but or yeah. a lot of the family. So yeah, they, we have a similar background. It's just they were in the fields, and right. I was on the water, right. sort of in the fields, you know. Right. <laughs> so. <laughs> so can you fish? Are you like an avid fisherman? Uh, horrible. My dad was a commercial fisherman for like thirty years, yeah. and I that's one thing that I never got into. Right. Uh, do you not? Do you even do it for fun, or just not your thing at all? I never, I, yeah, actually, I went salmon fishing like a year and a half ago on my sailboat and <laughs> caught one salmon, or two years ago. I think it was more than two and a half years ago, something like that. But yeah, caught one salmon. and uh, Yeah, it was fun, but I'd rather also be uh, just out on the water or hoisting a sail and going sailing. Sure, you know, so. sure. I hear you. Or starting up a motor and going fast, whatever. Right. <laughs> Do you run your jet skis down here in the bay? Uh, yeah, not right in front here, but. Up in the North Bay, uh, that's where I basically used to. Yeah, North Bay, I'd drop buoys because it's shallower and it's yeah. not, you know. Um, and uh, I used to live up in the North Bay area, so yeah, in the bay in salt water, it's not a problem. That's cool. Yeah, you can't get the jet ski stuff. They don't like you like dropping buoys next to like people's boats and stuff like that. So like, you no, I'm gonna I'm gonna be turning here. <laughs> yeah, you can't. for an hour. The Coast Guard's not so into that, so you can't really do it like right here where the everybody you know the Spinnaker restaurant is or whatever. The, yeah. You know, so but it's not running right, guys. Give me a half an hour to fix this. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. Are, it out. are you able to jet ski right now? Uh, I actually I went to a jet ski race. Uh, uh, my daughter and I. Um, I uh, went to a jet ski race like maybe eight months ago, but okay. no, can't jet ski. I did stand up a jet ski, but it's like anything. It's like, yeah, I drove a race car the other day, but I didn't drive it at speed. Yeah, so right, right. Not really the same thing. I just sure. sort of cruised around, you know? Yeah, and just but, sort of get that sensation again. Yeah, uh, just sort of get out there and make yeah. sure that, you know, it all runs, you know? So, right, right, right. Yeah. So, because no one can see you, because this is on the internet. They can't? No. Oh, no, I thought no, that was a camera yet. over there. Yeah, we're, <laughs> um, we're not that good. So, <laughs> budget's going up next year. Actually, the joke two. is that our, we're we're assuming our biggest critique will be like the video wouldn't work. <laughs> the video, yeah. Like, yeah. Where a, was the video? It's a podcast, guys. Yeah. Um, well, I didn't know that either. So my fiance had to tell me that. I'm like, they're filming. <laughs> it's a podcast, and they're filming. She goes, "What are you talking about? Work. There's no film." I go, "Oh, well, let me check the emails." <laughs> so when we got here, you looked totally normal to me. Like you're the yeah. Nemo Gidley I remember seeing last time. So, you know, everything still appears to be where it should be. Yeah. You look like you could jump in a race car right now. Where are you weight wise compared to before your big crash? 
Uh, I'm actually the same. I, okay. You know, like uh, basically 160 pounds, yeah. which is kind of the same. So Yeah, because um, you look ready to go right now. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so first thing I thought, I'm like, oh, he's, he's good. You know, I have it's a fiance, right? I mean, you know that? I'm okay. more into like the bigger ones, like <laughs> Sean. Thanks. Yeah. That's why I chose this trip. <laughs> Life on the road for weeks. But uh, you're a little too small for my taste. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm, I mean, you, you know. play your cards right, though. You know, winter's coming, the holidays. Man, I was up. just making a joke, but now he's being serious. <laughs> now it's a thing. <laughs> I'll get I out. I told him I had a fiance. Now he's the start of a bad romantic comedy. Get a couple gorillas. Yeah. So wow was, yeah that happened. that happened so no i'm i'm good i mean uh i mean i say good but i mean you know you got to realize like the last two years although two years ago was, or you know just about two years ago it was difficult but i've been to physical therapy you know and at first it was but now uh i do not as intense as everything but i i'm back riding my mountain bike not every other day or every day like i was before um but doing that i swim laps you know, I'm lifting weights, I'm doing cardio. I'm, you know, so I do all the same stuff, just not the intensity. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just not far, you know, as soon as I'm cleared, basically good to, then, then I can train a little bit harder and, uh, I'll be good to go, you right. know? So it's, when is the uh, surgery slated? Well, it's slated for January 11th right okay. now. And, um, you know, the doctor's very on demand. So it's just, it was like, it took three and a half months to finally. So it's, so it's not a healing thing for you as much as an availability. The, availability. The yeah. I okay. mean, honestly, if they say, let's go tomorrow, then I'm, I'm there tomorrow. Okay. So it's just the recovery from that is about six months of Ugh. not being able to lift something like, uh, more than 10 pounds. Okay. Uh, so yeah. I can't do kind of like what I'm doing yeah, right now. So yeah. I'd rather get it done during the winter time yeah. uh, because summertime I'm more actively yeah. coaching or racing or doing something like that. Right. And right. plus just, just get it done sooner. Yeah. You know what I mean? So well, is there an expected, I mean, I hate to go there, but is there an expected kind of painful time after that beyond the ability to lift? No, there's no painful. I mean, the back fusion is not a, a painful thing right now. Um, there are some like, you know, muscle soreness because the muscles are working extra hard because they're trying to stabilize the vertebrae right yeah. now and some things like that. But, um, you know, it's basically just getting the operation and it's a couple of days in the hospital. And then, you know, uh, it's not a painful, actually, you know, after a lot of the, and I've had a few like operation on the knees, operation this, yeah. that, whatever afterwards. And it's like some of my best time spent was like, as soon as I woke up from the surgery, because like you're pain free. And uh, so, yeah, right, yeah. right, right. I'm just like, ah, oh, this feels great. You, you know, just keep stuff. me right here, you know? Yeah. So, um, so, uh, yeah, it shouldn't be a lot of pain. It's just more of an inconvenience of just yeah. like, okay, another six months on top of this. Right. You know. And how's the, how's the, is it Mari? Is that her name? Yeah, Mari, actually. Mari, it's sort of rolled me. R. How's she been in this whole thing? Oh, she's been great. Yeah. I mean, it's um, uh, definitely put her through the ringer. Um, sure. My mom, who's also local. I mean, those are basically the two people that have been able to do so much for me. Right. And honestly, I mean, you know, first driving around in a streetcar, them taking to me my appointments. I mean, they would literally hit uh, a reflector, not hit, run over a reflector in the street. And I would sort of yell at right. Really? You know, not yell at them, but, but it was that I would, painful. Yeah. And yeah. so everything, you know, it was like, or they would hit the brakes. I mean, I, I, you know, honestly, I'm not happy to say this, but for sure I made my mom's eyes tear up yeah. because she, sometimes she would hit the brakes too hardly. And I was like, mom, don't, stop so suddenly like that yeah. ease off at the end right. and, but yeah. i was like you know so 
Anyway, <laughs> do you think part of that's because you're you're having to be driven and you're you know a professional race car driver and you're having to be driven to the doctor by your mom no. because of the situation or is it just no, it was just physically pain. just the pain? Just pain. Yeah. So both of them have been through a ton, but no, it's physically just pain. Yeah. Honestly, I no, I love being driven around. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm like, no, you drive. You got it. We need more beanbags. Yeah. But both of them, I mean, they just have been, you know, because they're there dealing with everything, and there's just. Uh, it's been a lot, you know, yeah. so it's definitely put, but Madi has been put through the ringer. My mom's been put through the ringer and, uh, you know, they're definitely the most that have been pushed the hardest, you know, so. And knowing you, they know you're going to get back in a race car. Like it's what's going to happen as soon as you're ready to go again. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, yeah, I don't think, I mean, nobody's said, oh no, you shouldn't or you can't. Right. You know, uh, I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, you can, I think you can, my whole you know, thought opinion is that you can kind of get hurt doing anything. Yeah. So it's, yeah. I always said before that, you know, when I would get hurt, hurt, you know, but that's more like a bruise or something like that. I'd say, well, that's the price you pay for having fun or right. having this kind right. of fun. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of, that's kind of it, you know? So yeah. not that I'm going to jeopardize not being healed before I get back in there and do something stupid because right. what I went through was, was very, you know, it was just hard to deal with. So I'm going to make sure I'm strong. But uh, I'm doing most everything right now. Just need a little bit more. You right, know, right. So. so, do you remember the incident? No, thank goodness. Isn't that the best thing ever when you have a big one? Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean I don't. I remember. I remember a couple of people coming to see me when I was in the in the uh, care unit there. Right. But I laugh because. It's not funny, but I only remember a couple. There was a whole bunch of people that came. Yeah. But uh, like uh, Jordan Taylor came and he brought me an, an Atari or something like Jordan that. Jordan Taylor's the man. <laughs> he brought yeah. me something and I was like, right off. I, I forget which game it was, but I remember like a couple minutes of that. And he's like, yeah, you can play this. I'm like, all right, you know. And He's like sitting on the corner <laughs> of your bed like, let me get in on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. You're doing it wrong. Let me show you. Yeah. Yeah. But I, and then a couple other things. I remember like, uh, you know, uh, you know, the nurse and trying to like, uh, well, actually I remember afterwards someone gave me flowers and so I like gave her the flowers. <laughs> Here you go. All yeah. Right. Yeah. But then also I remember she was like trying to, uh, she was trying to give me something, some medication. I'm like, this is the temple. I'm not taking that. Oh, <laughs> you're really? that guy. Are you like an anti-medicine guy? Well, no, or I just don't like to take drugs, you know? Sure, right. 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 So, just like no drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I saved your life. It's <laughs> like, shut up and take it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you so know. Not I, much remembrance then. Yeah. But that's always, so that's always been one of the things I've been wondered about. Uh, you know, like one of the first things you always hear about when somebody sort of comes to from an accident is there's always the thank everyone for their well wishes and support. Do you remember like the first time you really got to look at your email or check a Facebook message or something like that and see you know, however many people had reached out to you? Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, I mean, it was uh, a lot, you know, a lot of people were basically uh, emailing me, you know, texting me and stuff like that. I mean, it took me a while just to get through the texts on my phones, you know? Yeah, right. And then the emails, you know, I mean, I was like responding and like... Because you've got to be half out of it during all this. Uh, yeah, more than half out <laughs> yeah, of it. <laughs> right. But I remember responding in like April, May, June, and, yeah. you know, people he started emailing me January, February. Right, and right. so I'm still, you know, and, um, you know, didn't respond to everybody, but it was trying to get back to people, you yeah. know, but, uh, but yeah, at first you're just, you know, you're in this sort of like weird 
sort of world where it's just stuff's a little bit cloudy, you know? Yeah. So, but part of it is because you're, you're on a lot of medication. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, thankfully. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but definitely, you know, you definitely appreciate, uh, you know, everybody that's, you know, checking in and sort of pushing you on. It's, you know, I, I mean, honestly, it's like I tell people, you know, that it's, you know, I'm pretty lucky because, uh, or fortunate because, there's a lot of people that go through incidents like, like I've been through. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they weren't at Daytona and they weren't in a, you know, weren't in the 99 car, uh, which is kind of cool. But uh, they were just walking down the street or they were who knows what. But yeah. they don't have, you know, maybe they have some family. Maybe. Maybe they don't, right. you know. Right. So anyway, yeah, I was pretty fortunate to get that, that you, support. So. Do you go back and look at it? The video? Yeah. Yeah, I went back and looked at it for sure. It doesn't, you know, to me it doesn't, it's... It's not like I'm the guy driving because I'm watching it. Well, yeah. it's There's weird. no other memory. Get, yeah. The associate is like, well, that was clearly me. So, Yeah, but from my standpoint, I definitely want to look at it and see what happened. Right. You know, because once you realize that you've been in a wreck and it's serious, you know, then it's like, well, what actually happened, you know? Right. So, yeah. Well, so to me, the weird – so here's sort of a weird adapted question of that is, is – you did have a big one at Long Beach in a DP um, yep. a few years before, and then there was Road America in, in Champ Car. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So as weird as it sounds, like you've been through this, while not as severe, you've been through it in a weird way. Does that kind of help you in sort of the recovery process? Not really, because yeah. Long Beach will, you know, I mean, uh, the Ganassi car, the Indy car at Road America, yeah. I was racing two weeks later. Right. So right. I, was, I was a little sore, and although it was horrific to watch, and they call the code whatever it was which yeah. basically meant that i probably wasn't around right right i was actually you know i didn't stay in the hospital that night i was back in my hotel and, and yeah. was back racing and long beach you know it was very painful for a while when i moved around but again i was back in a car in two months you right. know so it just happened so you know you recovered so quickly that it doesn't really you know the comparative to what went on the what i went through was definitely not even in the city you know it's just a whole lot different so. right Right, right, right. Yeah. No, I can understand that. It was, that. yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely, uh, it was challenging, you know. I mean, right. like I said, I mean, the people that we just talked about and other people that are were around me, but it's like, you know, it just puts you, you know, you're just not the same person you are normally. Normally, I'm pretty happy and, yeah, you know, fun, friendly kind of guy, you know. But when you're in that kind of circumstance, you're very short, you know, because yeah. it's just so, it's just, it's just, uh, you know, it's just not yeah. fun, right? <laughs> so, yeah. I was really impressed by the uh, amount of support all the fans showed. You know, there was a lot of tweets and Facebook posts and everything. Yeah. And uh, I think that speaks to, A, the community of racing, but also, yeah. B, your character as a well-liked guy that, you know, Thanks. had to kind of work your way up. And I always admired yeah. you because I, I came from being a mechanic. Like, I have zero family money. My dad was a crew chief in IMSA in the 80s, and, you know, yep. I basically had to work on race cars That's to get cool. involved. That's cool. I didn't know so that about So when you got – your big breaks with the Indy cars. Um, I, I'd known that you'd like lived in your car and that you were still racing shifter carts on like a regular basis to try to stay sharp. And I had raced shifter carts very briefly because I knew a guy that had an extra one. He'd rent it to me basically, you know? And so it was like, when I saw you go into champ car or Indy car champ car at the time and do well, I was like, Oh man, that's awesome. You know, like a regular guy who like lived in his truck for months can go race, against the best guys in the world do well. And it was honestly, for me, a bit of a, like a wake up call, like, okay, just keep working at it and you'll get it. So I think when yeah. you, you got injured in this one, 
it was like, oh man, like what's this guy got to do to yeah. catch a I break? Know. You know, you're in a car that can win the race. You're running well. I know. And then it goes south. Um, obviously, you can't reply to every post, and and you were preoccupied with recovery. But is there anything you would you know say to the fans if they were all listening to this? Which they're all listening. Twenty of all them. Of them. <laughs> At least all twenty, 20 are listening. All tw- Nineteen of them. <laughs> it's just. Uh, I mean, it's. Um, uh, you know, I don't know what to say. I mean, it's just nice to have people in your corner for sure. I mean, yeah. that's why you have, that's why you have coaches or that's why you have people that are behind you, you know? Um, can you flip it up a little bit towards your mouth? Yeah. So, you know, I just, uh, I mean, I try enjoying myself at the track and, and yeah, I mean, and, you know, I mean, it, I mean, I was, I mean, you guys sort of got a little bit of uh, idea what my background was like, but racing cars wasn't, wasn't part of the plan right right right. and so you know and i went to my first race and seven years after i went to my first race or after i went to my first race three months later i was working as a mechanic at jim russell and then seven years later i was racing for Derek walker because one of so i was seven years i went to the top so that's kind of cool but then also just um you know met a lot of people and was just really always appreciative of i just like being around people that are interested in the stuff i'm interested in right yeah so um um it's nice. It paid off in a way. I wasn't doing it just be- for any particular reason other than I enjoyed it, but it was nice to have that support. When things are tough, you know, it's – trust me, there was, like, many days, multiple times a day when I'm, like, you know, things – I mean, honestly, for the first few months, you know, if life stayed as it was for the first few months and that was the way it was going to be for forever, honestly, and like I told my family, I was – I would take one more sale out and that would be it. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's it's no doubt like, about it. Yeah. 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 I mean, so, you know, having people that sort of, you know, uh, help you through it is, is definitely great. So right. I appreciate everybody that's been behind me and there's just so many and it's just been, it's been really nice. <laughs> what, uh, what was the pain like for those first few months? I mean, where was it coming from and what was oh, the trigger? It was horrible. It was, uh, if you could imagine um, that it was, it was the trigger was just all the nerve damage. Yeah. And so it wasn't like getting a broken leg. I mean, the broken bones and all that sort of stuff, if you don't stand on it, then you're fine. Right, right. You know, but I was having pain all the time. Um, And it was like um, basically how to best describe it is if someone took a a ball-peen hammer, a metal hammer, and you were lying on your stomach and they just repeatedly hit you on your tailbone, Mm. just repeatedly hit you, you know, to to the point that – you know, there were many, many, many times, you know, many times throughout the day, but m- many times throughout the first few months where I would just yell out. Right. For no. Because you just have this tinge of pain. that just It hurts so yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was like whimpering a lot, but that was just, you know, just dealing with it, but yeah. literally like yell out. So it was just like the hammer. So it was just, that's the best way to describe it. Right. Now it's gone down to. Uh, you know, annoying toothache. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot easier to deal with. And sometimes the toothache subsides and sometimes it gets worse, but it's not like the ball peen hammer on the tailbone. Yeah. Bone the hammer all yeah, the time, yeah. you know, which was horrible right. at one point. So, Ugh. yeah. Well, you had me at ball peen hammer. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But see, so kind of going back to, to bugle time and, and happier times in Sausalito what bugle Tom where, yeah, <laughs> where, like, where, I thought you said bags. bugle time I yeah bugle yeah, time, like, oh, bugle time. <laughs> how old is this guy but uh, you weren't a hill person so <laughs> right. so you know it wasn't like you could just go and buy yourself a Formula Ford ride or go buy yourself a shifter cart no um, how, so how did that even start 
You know, my uh, my uncle John took me to said, "Hey, you want to go to an Indy car race at Laguna Seca?" I said, "Okay." Right. I never, not only had I never been to a car race, I'd never seen one on TV, never watched one. Uh, none of none of my parents, nobody, nobody that I knew ever watched TV, any or watched uh, Indy car race. So went down to the, but I w- was racing dirt bikes since I was 11 years old, motocross. Uh-huh. But that was something that sort of the average person could afford. You know, I had a job. My dad kicked in a little, and, and we went and raced dirt bikes. So I definitely had the racing bug, um, uh, which started even before that, you know, but had the racing bug. And so I went down to the IndyCar race and was just amazed. I mean, this was, like, in the early 90s. And, like, that was when there were, like, if you didn't get there, if you got there, like, 9 yeah. or 10 in the morning, there was like you had one to park road. Yeah. down the hill, get yep. in a bus, and come up. Right. There was like 100,000-plus yep. people there. And uh, the people didn't – it wasn't like the pe- – people was part of the excitement. But then just seeing the cars and, you know, watching the racing, I was like, this is – I, I want to do this. Want, right. This is my career. You know, I was in junior college at the time, and I think in my third year, and I was – the only thing I was really interested in was maybe being a park ranger because I was outside. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to race these these Indy cars, you know. And um, so I signed up for, you know, walking through the paddock and a flyer flyer popped in my hand about being a mechanic and racing for free, racing formula cars for right. free. So this is the Russell Mechanic Training Program? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I wanted to do that. <laughs> yeah, really? Because, like, a bunch of kids were telling me about it. Yeah. Um, funny enough, I met a guy – <laughs> on on the AOL auto racing chat forum yeah. that lived down in like uh uh where's the tra- where's uh, Pataluma yeah. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to do this thing. That's where a bunch of guys did it. And I think Bimo did it. And, yeah. all that. and I'm like, yeah. we're doing it. And of course it never happened. But yeah, you should explain what that is because a lot of people don't have a clue what that offered. But it did produce a champ yeah. car driver, Mimo Gidley, for example. Absolutely. It was uh, – unfortunately, it's not around anymore. Yeah. But basically – uh, the Jim Russell School at the time, you know, they had a fleet of cars and and they needed to maintain. <laughs> so, you know, in order, in, instead of paying, you know, all the happening, all the staff to pay for it, they came up with this great idea, which was we'll get people, volunteers, basically to sign up for a year program. They have to work on the cars. Right. Um, they learn that experience of, you know, we're training them to be mechanics. They're learning about race cars. And, um, and also, they get to drive once a month. They get to go through the beginning school, the advanced school, and then they get to race in the mechanic series race right. once a month. And uh, so it was awesome. I mean, it was you didn't, problem is you didn't earn any money when you were down there. So yeah, you had to yeah. basically put yourself up if you were from anywhere so else. So you'd have to have well. like a an actual paying job to then pay for your pay, your job as a mechanic at the Russell School. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I yeah. was basically, you know, barely, you know, working, just going through college. But, uh, yeah, I was down there not getting paid. But then, I, you know, I ran out of money in about three months, and then I started delivering pizzas at night <laughs> for Domino's <laughs> Pizza. And uh, But it was great because it basically – you know, I remember the first uh, the first lunch down there. You know, there used to be 25 or 30, 30 uh, people, mechanics that were in the same program that would start four times, different times during the year. Right. And down there the first time. So I was part of the new crowd, and there was like maybe six or seven people starting out at that month. And they're like talking about Mario Andretti or Michael Andretti. And I'm like, I, I was like, who's Andretti? Who are I literally? <laughs> oh my God. No, I swear to you, I literally, I literally knew nothing about right, it. Right, right. You just liked it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And I remember probably such a little catty community, like, oh my God, this, this guy. guy. They no, were, yeah, they were like, it. this guy's, what, well, he's clueless. He's going to drop out. It's like, what, you know. He'll never make it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
But yeah, it was great because it gave me, you know, like I had a passion for doing it and um, it got me, it started to get me some seat time, you know? Yeah. And then when I was down there, um, then, you know, it starts networking you. And then one of the instructors was this guy named George Barrows, who uh, was an instructor for Jim Russell at the time, but then it was also raced go-karts for Track Magic, who was the manufacturer yep. in San Francisco. So after that was sort of going on and done, and, you know, then he was like, hey, well, you know, uh, Fausto, who owns Track Magic, uh, he looking for a driver. You should talk to him. So I went to talk to him. He said, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll give you this and go do it. And then that turned into being paid to race go-kart. You know, it's like it just starts this process right. that if you're good enough and you work hard enough, which is, you know, I wouldn't say natural talent, but if you if you have a passion to do it, you learn whatever it is pretty quickly. Yep. Yep. And if you work hard enough, um, then sort of it, it doesn't give everybody the opportunity because it's, there's not a lot out there, but it, it, there is a possibility. Yeah, it you know? increases your chances. So. Well, yeah. in that, that karting scene at that time, I, I raced, awesome. you and I both raced region 11 karts, and we're just enough different in age that we didn't race in the same class. But you look at the names, it was like you and Scott Speed and AJ and, and Joey Hand, and it, it is incredible, the, the crop that came out of region 11 at the time. A ton. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much. I mean, I don't know what it was, but it was... There were a number of factories like Emic, uh, Invader, Track Magic, High Rev. They were basically in this area, so they all had their factory drivers. But we also raced on these horrible tires. And I know you know, talk to your grandpa, or your father, and like, oh, we used to have to walk, you know, barefoot in the snow uphill both yeah. ways. But I'm telling you, these YBNs, the which they called YBNs, them at the time, yeah. they were the hardest, you know, suckers to race on yeah. ever. And uh, I, I don't know. I think that's. That was that helped, you know. That's right. what I think. Right. But it was great competition, and like so many people came out of this area, like you said. Yeah. And uh, you know, like just did really well. Right. So, uh, yeah, it was just a great place to race. It was an awesome place. <laughs> Do you remember anybody from the mechanics training program? Like any of the other mechanics? Did they go on to become racers of note? No, not really. There was one other guy, uh, Rick McCormick who was uh, just a few months before me, and he actually raced, um, I think it was like Herbalex or something uh, uh, in Trans Am. Okay, yeah. So he got pretty high up, and he raced Trans Am, but there was nobody else that... Uh, they're burglars, I'm telling you. They're burglars. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know them. They just, yeah. I'm not tied up. This is just a This is just a cord that's the attached to these earphones. has arrived. Hello. <laughs> hey there. How are you? Good. Oh, they want to talk to you, too. <laughs> Get me out of here! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but so yeah, so Rick McCormick ran like Trans Am or something. Yeah, Rick McCormick yeah. raced Trans Am and you know did really well on, um, um, but not a lot of other mechanics. A lot of them were successful mechanics though. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, working for IndyCar teams, and I still see guys out there to this day. So my two friends that went through it, uh, Chris Nelson and Steve Burrows, uh, they both went on to work on all sorts of stuff. Steve actually currently works in. Global Rallycross, but he worked at Panther when uh, when Hornish cool. was there, and he was winning, you know, the 500 and stuff. So, yeah. yeah. They definitely produced good mechanics. Yeah. Now, if yeah. I, I don't know if I'm remembering this right. You got your own car that you had to work on, with, and then do you remember who drove it? Like, throughout, did anybody? Because I know Scott Speed came through the school and a couple others. No, you didn't get your own car. You mean whether when you were a mechanic in the training program? Yeah, for some reason I felt like no. you kept a car throughout. So it was just working on a fleet then. Working on a fleet. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Working on a fleet. It was, you know, they would, uh, so they'd have all the, the customer races, and it was really big at the time. Like, we'd have, like, three groups of yeah. 
12 or 15 guys and, you know, customers. And that the last race of the day was always the mechanics race because a lot of times there weren't a lot of cars left. Right, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, you just, every car, you know, we just worked on them as fleets. So okay. um, it's just, I think the biggest thing about it, wh- yeah, you learned some stuff about race cars, you know, but the biggest thing was you really learned is if you wanted to do it. Because uh, basically we were working, I mean, all the mechanics, you know, we were getting there at, at least 8 o'clock on normal days. And we weren't, weren't done till like 6 or 7 o'clock on normal days, yeah. let alone race weekends. Right. And it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like there was, uh, you know, uh, a lot of pe- a lot of girls walking around the pits. or Right. You know, right. I mean. The whole glamour of racing thing the wasn't there. Glamour wasn't there, yeah. you know. Weird. So it was like a lot of people dropped out. So if you stayed in it, then you sort of got respect from everybody around you. But you also kind of. You know, that was something that you wanted to pursue, right. you know. And you're working for free, so a lot of you yeah. are having other jobs or, or trying to figure out a way to make it work. Yeah, a lot of them were just, yeah, or they had a little bit of support, you know. I mean, they all lived in, there was like a, um, you know, a place where a lot of mechanics lived, so it was much cheaper and things like that. So, um, but yeah, or they were just, they were just scraping by. Most of them were, you know, I mean, if you've got money to go racing, then you're usually buying, you're, you're usually one of the, one of the, um, um, you know, customers right. that was there, but uh, the mechanics—they didn't have the money to go racing, right. so they were basically scraping by. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so. Was there ever an attitude of like, "Oh, f these guys, they could afford to do it"? Well, yeah, sometimes <laughs> we're the same. <laughs> I mean, come on, we all do that with everybody, right? Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of cool guys. I mean, even the customers, you know, yeah, some uh, most—they all had money, you know, but uh, or some money, but uh, enough to go racing anyway, and some a lot more. But I met a lot of. Uh, you know, like this one guy, Steve Adderholt, who went down through, there was a customer and, uh, um, I didn't really sort of remember him except like literally seven or eight, was it seven or eight or nine years later, he contacted me and he's like, I want, you know, he called my mom. I want to sponsor him at the Indy 500. I, I said, no, no, just come out and see me race and we'll reconnect. You know? Yeah, just hang out. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, he, he became one of my best friends. You oh, know? that's cool. And not like because he sponsored me at doing stuff, just because we hung out. We started sailing together and all this sort of stuff. Right. But so met a lot of good uh, sort of customers that turned into friends right. down there too. So it was really yeah. – we all had the passion to race. That's the thing, you know. So some people had money and we didn't, but we were all down there for the same reason. Right. So right. it was very cool. Very cool. Yeah, it is cool. If, uh, you know, that, that program doesn't exist now and, you know, the economy of racing even today has changed, if if that Mimo Gidley at that age was around today, do you think you'd still be able to have made it? Yeah, I think so. It's just how do you do it? But, yeah, right. there, there, there are ways out there. You know, I mean, we had, you know, it was great for me because, well, great in a sense because there was like the Jim Russell program and then it was like, you know, the Track Magic where they were paying me to race go-karts. Um, and then it was like, you know, I was at a go-kart race and, and some guy called me like, uh, after the weekend said, Hey, I met you at the go-kart race. You did really well. You know, you won. And, uh, you know, uh, I want to introduce you to my boss, you know? And so I introduced him to my boss, his boss. And then he, you know, came out and drove his formula four 2000 and he said, I'll buy you a car and a motor. And then it's one thing we, you know, the Peggy Hosses of the world links racing. There's just like. There's still those opportunities. It's just, uh, you know, it's just uh, you got to be the guy. You got to be the person that's really wants it bad. And then, yeah, you got to have a little luck on your side yeah, too. Right, you yeah. know, so yeah. So with the, so I uh, would do it still. You know, <coughs> right. definitely. With the Daytona crash uh, over, you know, two years ago. It's uh, coming up on two years. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a few months away, but yeah, almost. 
What was the process? So you wake up in the hospital, I'm assuming, just down the street in Daytona. Yeah. And then did NASCAR or Grand Am, I guess we should call it, did they come in and take care of how the process went? Did they line you up with doctors? Because we're supposed to be protected under that, you know, bubble of the sanctioning body when something like this goes wrong. And especially in this case where it's clearly a bit of a structural failure with the chassis. I mean, it's a, it's an accident that no one prepares for hitting a, you know, basically a stopped car at that kind of speed. What was the, what, what's your takeaway with how the incident was handled from the support for your side in terms of, you know, medical treatment, safety and, and so forth? Uh, it was great. You know, I mean, it was, it was, it was great. It was, uh, you know, I mean, Jim France was over in the hospital, you know. That's amazing. I mean, not only was I his, yeah. in his wing, which was named after him. <laughs> he must oh, have donated some money to the hospital, guy. I think. But, right. Uh, but, no, he was down there. And, you know, that's just – I mean, he sort of sets the, the tone for that racing. Yeah. Um, because, uh, you know, I mean, NASCAR was there big time, you right. know. Um, and also, you know, John Gorsline, uh, who I've been uh, insured with for many, many years uh, – um, you know, he was there. There's just a lot of, a lot of people for sure. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, you don't, I mean the expense on how much, I don't know if you've ever had an operation and seen how much it costs. Well, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's crazy. I mean, like a knee that I had uh, orthoscopic late the second time after, um, which is they go in there and smooth out the cartilage, um, through a little hole. It's not even an incision. And I was in and out of the hospital, basic or the surgery center, in three hours. It was seventy grand, or at least wow. that's what it was originally billed to somebody for. Right. I know they negotiate it down, but it's a lot, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's um, it's crazy. So um, uh, yeah, it's definitely uh, there's a lot of people that sort of saved my ass on that deal. Right. Yeah. You know, because of their support, you know, which is it's just good, you know, and nice. and how it should go based on, you know, the way it's supposed to be handled. I yeah. ask because a good friend of mine, David Delenius, had a crash also at Daytona in an ST car. Yeah. And it was very bad. He, he basically broke, you know, almost all the bones on the left side of his upper body Oof. and uh, knocked himself unconscious. They had to cut the car apart to get him out, et cetera. And, uh, it, I mean, he basically woke up to a NASCAR nurse standing next to him saying, here's what's going on, here's what's happening. And they yeah. took care of him all the way. And he lives out in L.A., so they made sure he got back safely, you know, when he was able to travel. and. Yeah. Kept up with him to the point of like six months later when he was back to mobile. They're like, "Hey, come to the Fontana NASCAR race, all oh, you know." Nice. Like, so I, I was always curious to hear how it was handled from from your side, since David has such great things to say about yeah how it all went down. It's good. I mean, it's it's good. I mean, the series, you know, any series is sort of uh, or any business is sort of you know starts at the it's basically you know led by the top down, sort of so to speak. And uh, so, like I said, I mean, I've always had you know tons of. Uh, you know, uh, you know, like Jim France a lot. He, not only does he come to the racetracks, but yeah. he like talks to you and he's nice and he's a real kind of guy. And so it's sort of, um, you know, you sort of, you know, get to see if he uh, puts his money sort of, so to speak, where his mouth is, right. you know, not that he said he, but just, he's just that it's just sort of trickles down. Yeah. yeah. So the series NASCAR, I mean, it's, it's great. And just a lot of people, but NASCAR has been, been great. That's good to hear. Yeah. Has that uh, changed your outlook on safety at all? I mean, the, there's always there was always a lot of concern of a of a DP having a frontal impact like that. Yeah. And uh, do you do you look at things now and and advocate differently or look at it differently? Well, I you know it's so hard to say. I mean, there's so much stuff. I mean, somehow 
making it safer would be great, you know? I mean, I raced, I was racing champ cars when, uh, you know, there weren't Hans devices and, you know, the Penske driver at Laguna Seca got a little, got a little throttle and then, you know, basically snapped his head off. So, you know, so it's like, what can we do to make things better? I got to imagine, although I haven't really been part of it, I got to imagine there's hopefully some improvements made, you know? Um, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I mean, it works from both ways from a safety standpoint, but also, you know, I mean, I don't think I knew that there was a car going slowly on the track, you know. Right. I don't think there was a yellow flag, you know, because he was still moving. You know, right. Only five or six miles an hour, but he was still moving. Yeah. So, you know, maybe it's a combination of, you know, uh, more awareness or, you know, talking to drivers and making sure they all, you know, a race like Daytona, there's so many. And honestly, a lot of them really don't speak English well, you know. So. Did you and Matteo Malicelli ever cross paths? You know, it's one of the m- most disappointing things is uh, is uh, he never once reached out to me. Really, really. And if I was in his situation, even if it was, even if it was not, uh, if it was not my fault, right. If I right. was the guy that got out of the hospital the next day and flew home, yeah, I would have just said, "Hey, how are you doing?" Or right. something. Yeah, right. Crazy situation that yeah. tied us together. Tied us together. Yeah. But I was the one that was out for many months, so I yeah. never, uh, you know, he was, uh, he would, yeah. He it's was very dis- very yeah. disappointing yeah. that I never, I never heard anything from him. You know. Yeah, so. yeah. that sucks. I'd, yeah, I'd never that knew sucks. That. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I'll keep that in mind. It yeah. Helps his career didn't last much longer at that team. So. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah, huh. well, yeah, well, then at Sebring, yeah, he pu- Sebring, pulled out and yeah. took out like three or four cars, and they yeah. suspended oh, for a race. Weird. Yeah. We're and talking about returned. that guy. Yeah, yeah same guy. About that. Same guy. Same guy. He should have been so suspended s- before that. But so strange that he didn't reach out. Yeah. Seems like such a good dude. <laughs> 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 One day I'll see him at a track, you know. So I don't know what I'll do. But we'll I'll do that thing where I'll like get down behind him. Yeah. You push him over. Yeah. Yeah. We'll high five and be like, or get some whipped cream and like right in his face, and then take some pictures. That's what we'll do. Let's show him. (laughs) Not all his fault, you know, but it's definitely a combination of things, you know. A text message. Yeah. You know, like a text, at least. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) So we were with your uh, good buddy, Marshall Pruitt, uh, earlier today for lunch. And so we do a segment where we... We sort of have a, a question from the previous guest that they pass on to the next one. So. Uh-oh, from Marshall? From Marshall. <laughs> I think because it's going to be ugly. He's cool. We yeah. can tell him what we thought was happening. <laughs> okay. Because it Uh-oh. was... Uh, you really want to go there? Yeah, I no, do. No, let's go there. You really want to go there. <laughs> no, no, no. So Marshall, you know, you know Marshall. Marshall has a very I sort of long way of sort of lingering on his next statement and question, which we love. Um, but he's, you know, he's clearly very, he's thinking his way through and making sure that every, every word is the right word. So he goes, uh, he sits there and like, I want to ask Mimo, would he, if, if he could if do he it, could it over, over again, or if he could do it differently, would, would he, he, and we're both, apparently we tied, we had <laughs> yeah. the conversation, like the, we independently of each other, <laughs> our first was like, turn right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, tell me he didn't say break. Like, tell me he's not going to say break. And he's and it turned completely different. So, yeah. so that was our thought on the way up. We both said to each other, like, it's like hey, okay, am you? I a horrible person if I think this? I'm like, I honestly was like, no way he's going to say that. <laughs> and of course he didn't. And we're the horrible yeah, people. Yeah, we're the holes. But that's he should have really asked surprising. you to write down. He should have started with that and then say, okay, write down what you think I'm going to say. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Where do you think I should go with this? So, uh, Marshall's question uh, was what would you do differently or what could you have done differently 
to hold on to some of the more important IndyCar rides that you had had, knowing what you know now, and in particular, like the Ganassi situation? I'm not choking. <laughs> like, uh, I'm eating steak. Yeah, that's that, steak. <laughs> that dramatic was like, F- that guy. I am. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'll remember that. Yep. Yeah. So I got to beat up Malicelli and, and the geese is getting an exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> well, the biggest thing with, um, you know, go back to like 2000 before September, um, 2001 before September. And, um, those three years or two years leading up to that like first i had first i had three rides with Derek walker because the japanese driver broke his leg and then uh then i went to dale coin and raced with him for a few races so i had like six or seven races that year then the next year it was with john de la pena and it was with uh players you know i led my first laps at long beach and so then i had like 10 races or something like that then ganassi was the year after that and i had like they filed fired Nicholas Manassian. That's right. And uh, so I got in after like the third or fourth race. And so then I had like 12 races, something like that. Well, unfortunately, um, then 9-11 happened. And so it went from basically 28 cars, like a strong, you know, kick-ass field to basically barely, not even 18 cars. Like putting on the races the next year, there was rumors that a lot of tracks that they were breaking their contracts because there was a uh, stipulation that it had to be 18 cars there minimum and they didn't have it. Right. So those last 10 spots were for the guys that were coming up, you know, proving themselves. That was their next opportunity. So with Ganassi, he'd already made plans before. I mean, he had, uh, he had Bruno Giancaro signed still. um, And then he had already hired Kenny Kenny Brack Brack. Brack at the time. And so, when I went to um, when I when my contract was up with him, I said Chip or Michael or whoever I was talking to at the time, I said, "Hey, the contract's up," and back and forth. And Chip said he wanted to extend that option on you and just hang tight for a little bit. So it wasn't like I didn't have a ride. What they were trying to do is they were trying to get me into IRL because they had just mm. started the team in IRL. Right. Well, also at the time, um, because they were new into IRL, the Speedway was pushing Jeff Ward. Yeah. On them mm. big time to have a team they wanted them to race Jeff Ward. So that was going to be my next ride with, with Ganassi, but um, that's why that didn't work out. Right. So there wasn't a whole lot I could do. I mean, the biggest thing was the economy, you know, and would there have been other opportunities if Ganassi said no? Absolutely, you know, because like literally with uh, what did I do? Like initial day of testing with Derek Walker, um, I that was it. I didn't do any testing. And would show up and basically wow. drive and almost won a race. I mean, I led, you know, like lots of laps at various tracks, finished on the podium three times, and I never tested the car. Right, right. Never got in the car and tested it. So it was very like, um, you know, when you look at the details, I did pretty good. And most people that knew, um, you know, the teams, they knew that, hey, you know, this is the, this guy's the real deal. Nine eleven happened, and they were looking for money, and they didn't have any any place to go. Yeah, right, you know. So it was. There's nothing. So to Marshall's, Marshall's. You know, to answer his question, there's really nothing I could do with those teams. So I'm I mean, gonna I'm gonna write blame terrorists. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're gonna put down. I mean, I worked as hard as possible. I mean, it of wasn't course, because yeah. I wasn't in the car, I wasn't training, I wasn't pushing, I wasn't doing this, I wasn't doing that. Yeah. Um, you know, was I a championship-winning driver at that point? Well, no, because I was just new into it. Right. <laughs> I just came and from... You, I mean, you never tested. 
Never tested, yeah. no. Yeah, yeah. But, but testing was... But, you know, it is like if you see a guy show up in a car that's not doing the test days and he's running that well, you know, like, okay, they got a good team going with a good driver over there. Yeah. They had the budget Ganassi or Penske or whatever. They'd oh, be yeah. They'd getting it done, yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I you know, when you think about it, and a lot of those guys didn't even know either, but when you think about it, before that time, I went to my first race as a spectator seven years before. <laughs> And I came wow. from, you guys didn't see my background, but where I came from, which we talked about it, it was so far removed from being a successful race car driver yeah. that it wasn't even, it wasn't, wasn't in the cards. No, it wasn't even, it wasn't even on the radar thought process. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So anyway, so there was nothing, nothing I could have done. I mean, I did everything I possibly could. So I think the answer is I made it to champ car in seven years. <laughs> yeah. Bitch. Mike, mic drop. Bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Marshall was, you know, Marshall, you know, we're friends, you know, yeah. and he's a big supporter. So he, he wasn't like asking me. Not at all. No. Yeah, yeah. He was he's, just, yeah. he was just curious, you yeah. know, but, uh, he was trying to help us get a story because he assumes it'll just maybe be a lot of jokes. Right. Yeah. He's like, I gotta, I gotta help these idiots. And he's not wrong. <laughs> really? No. <laughs> so to, Carry on in that uh, direction. Tomorrow we're meeting with Jill Campbell, who's the president of Laguna Seca uh, or general manager. She is the fill in later. <laughs> fill you in later? Oh, Mazda Edit. Raceway Laguna Seca. Edit break. <laughs> yeah. Laguna Seca. Um, she runs Laguna Seca. Yeah, I know Jill a little bit. Okay. Anything you could think to ask her, racing related or not? Race oh, racing? Yeah, it could related? be like. Uh, what kind of soap do you use? Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. That sounds very interesting. I'm sure people want we've to had, that. We've had a question this week about, uh, it was last week, about uh, if you had to sheets. sit in someone's piss-filled seat in a driver change, who would it be? <laughs> oh, I got a story about that. Yes, you do. Let's get into it. <laughs> yes, you do. You want to hear a quick story <laughs> on that? Uh, yeah. 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 Yep. Uh, I was te a teammate with uh, Dion Von Mulkey. Yes. And, uh, oh, this finally. <laughs> <laughs> We've and, been waiting for a Dion story. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, we were at uh, we were at uh, Fontana. Uh, not Fontana. It was Florida. What was, uh, whatever. Homestead. The, Homestead. Yeah, right. Homestead. And uh, Was this when he was driving the DP? Yeah, he was yeah. driving the DP. Okay. And so it was hot as a mother out there. And, of course, uh, we didn't – or, you know, it was hot in this car as could be. And uh, so, you know, uh, afterwards came in. I finished the race. And – and Dion's girlfriend got in the car. She got, oh, you know, sit in the car. Sure. She, she got in the car. We're in the debrief lab. Oh, no. And she comes <laughs> back. She comes back after. And she's like, uh, Dion, she's talked to Dion. And Dion goes, yeah, she said the seats uh, got a lot of, it's really sweaty. You must have been really hot. I go, well, tell her it's not exactly all sweat. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, <laughs> it didn't happen to Dion, but maybe he had suffered something because of that afterwards. Who knows? But <laughs> So, uh, yeah, our, our buddy Don't in race cars after a, yeah right not, <laughs> yeah. not advisable our uh, buddy oriel servia started describing that he like would deliberately do it because it was apparently this amazing sensation he literally said he it was this is a quote like one of the three best feelings <laughs> i've ever had in my life we're like what well yeah. when you like uh the cars were so darn hot that uh like at barber which was hot yeah. right yeah i would go in before i got in the car and get two iv bags yeah so two th an wow. iv in yeah, me yeah. and i started the race there once so i had two ivs before i started the race and then before it went green before we actually rolled off pit lane i drank the entire oh no way bottle <laughs> holy crap so yeah that time that i had to go yeah that was great yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah <laughs> so oh, good stuff 
Any Jill's question? Yes, yeah, so uh, a question Campbell. for Jill Campbell. Um, have you ever had to pee in a race car, Jill? Right. Have you ever peed in a race car, Jill? Uh, she probably hasn't. Maybe that's uh, – well, they have a lot of street cars down there. But uh, Yeah, maybe just, just, just bored. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I felt like it. Just I'm going to pee in this car now. Yeah, it's mine she, now. Does she still see tire tracks from my dual-purpose motorcycle when I lived down there and used to ride the hills before I came into work? I Maybe that's my question. That's okay. Does she question. still see my tire tracks? Ask her which ones, though. Yeah, would she know? Does she? Yeah, ask her, Does she, has she ever seen my tire tracks? That's my question to her. It's almost like bragging, like, you yeah. ever see my tire tracks? <laughs> Let's see what she says. So. Let's see what she says. What's up, Jill? Let's see what she says. She'll get either really mad. She'll say that guy, I hate that guy or something. So I hear you're the something of Laguna Zega. <laughs> yeah. So I hear uh, we didn't do our research <laughs> and uh, you do something in California. Yeah, ask her. Say, um, I want to I know when you last saw my tire tracks. Yeah. How about that? Something we like that. that. We so you lived out there? At Laguna? Oh, yeah. yeah I lived in Carmel. I lived in a, oh, nice. rented a room in a retired lady's house and it was yes. literally paid $200 a month for this room. Nice. It was fully furnished and great, but it was but it Carmel. wasn't in like an old person's community. It was just a little retired lady's home. No, you know, I was like, I was broke going down there more or less, and I was trying to conserve money as much as possible. And I went down because uh, I was getting credits for the school. Actually, I got a grant to go down there partly from the Rent Educational Foundation. Another story, but anyway, so I was at the school down there, college down there, and there was a tag on the wall that said "room for rent for two hundred dollars." And I was like, "No way, two hundred dollars!" Yeah, so, boom. <laughs> right. That was it. <laughs> Did um, you know that uh, Spencer Pompelli killed somebody? What? So, one thing that I uh, always huh? relate back to you is that um, when you had your crash at Daytona a couple of years ago, Sean and I were hosting a webcast for Magnus Racing's website where yeah. basically all the fans can come and just see a bunch of stupid shenanigans and terrible, again, fart yeah. jokes. Yeah. And exactly. uh, when your accident took place, we f suddenly found ourselves having to like report on it, and we're not professional reporters by any means. Nope. But we have a chat room with like 50,000 people coming and going, and it suddenly turned into like, what are you guys hearing? Yeah, and we're, we're not going to answer. We yeah, don't know and it was one on. of those situations where we had to like turn into professional broadcasters and like deflect wow. questions yeah. and everything. And Sean has obviously you know, known you guys you for a while, and I just know who you are. And it was just like one of the situations where we were both like emotionally attached to the situation, but also really have no business – being like in front of a, commenting on a this, group yeah. of people that are now badgering us for questions because, of course, the TV wasn't going to say anything. So it turned into right. like, let's ask those guys. They're in the pit lane. Yeah. Right. And so it's literally like one question after the next. And we're like, again, no. can't speculate. Just going to just go on with just it. Just going to sit here. It was, <laughs> it was like this really weird thing that happened. Yeah. And when we uh, we interviewed Bob Varsha earlier in our series of podcasts, and we asked him, we're like, hey, what's uh, like, what do you do? And he goes, you know, I, I, I practice. I literally plan for things to happen in that situation because that's wow. my job is to be the guy that handles that situation with poise and, and, and you know, handles it properly. But wow. that's one of the things that I'll yeah. always think back yeah. to you about. And we were actually kind of, you know, not giddy, but you know, we we're like, wow, this is kind of unique for us because we're doing this podcast together. And on a former thing we did together is when you had yeah. your situation. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah. You and I actually had a really cool battle at Daytona a couple of years ago in the, you were in the Nanomaker oh, GTR X8 yeah. <laughs> and you were the yep. only like, I mean, I think, uh, Wayne's the fast, the fast one, the Wayne Nanomaker, the fastest of all the guys that, or the other guys. Yeah. I think, uh, I think he's the quick one, right? Is it Wayne or Will? Uh, it was Wayne. Okay. So you had yeah. Wayne Nanomaker as your, like your other right. quick guy. And I had right. Kenny Wallace, the NASCAR driver is my other yeah. quick guy. And, uh, 
so basically it turned into like every time I get in the car, they're like, Mimo's getting in. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wait, which car were you in? I was in one of the TRG uh, Porsches, and you finished seventh, and we finished eighth. And it was one of these oh, things. Okay. And, and for like yeah. until the last hour, we were like yo-yoing with your car on strategy, and it literally turned into like me versus you. <laughs> you have no idea who the other guy is. It was like some idiot in the four cars right with you, and you're like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Mimo Kidley. <laughs> and uh, it was just really funny because like I guess I knew Ka- somebody was bump drafting me. Who yeah, was that? Was that you? Right. So I remember Catherine Crawford was like running your car. Mm, yeah. And uh, awesome. you know, and you guys are having a good run there. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. a top seven or whatever. That's awesome. Yeah, but it turned into literally like I get out of the car and they're like, "Okay, they're putting you know Joe in the car," and I'm like, "Oh, thank God, I'm gonna get <laughs> like some sleep." Right. And it literally would be like, "Be back in four hours," and then like thirty minutes later, like they're putting Mimo back in. Wake up! Like, oh, no, come on! But uh, yeah, I, was, I just looked up the results because I'm like, I can't remember who finished where, but um, with like an hour to go, the right rear tire in our car wouldn't come off. Oh, and they're or sorry, with like two hours ago. So yeah. like, just oh, keep I going. I forgot about that. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I can hear everything that's happening around the oval. It's just like, like getting uh, worse and worse. No, and I'm like, no, no. like you got this. I'm like, I don't got this. Yeah, this yeah. is not safe. Yeah, yeah. But did Sean you keep going or did you yeah. come in? Yeah, no, we just finished on the on the yes. like three hour old right rear. Oh, uh, that's that's not. But I bet they yeah. charge for four sets of tires. That's not good. Yeah, that was a fresh slick. Yeah, it was fresh, man. Fresh bud. But yeah, those are my two Mimo Gidley stories. Now and that, and I know now that you. You were traded for a passport for a bag of lemons. Yeah, right. Basically, yeah. <laughs> I think if there's one thing to walk away from this, this podcast. That's the best. Yeah, is that you are, like, you, are a, you are an illegal alien. Listen, guys. Yeah. it's a, I got a bag of lemons. <laughs> I got to hang on to it. This. I can't hang on. I can't let go of it. It is a unique story. That's for sure. <laughs> when do you think uh, – what's your goal? You, you coming back to sports car racing? Is that kind of where you want to see yourself? I yeah, mean, yeah, you, I would love to. You always seem to get high-profile rides in the big races, whether yeah. it's with, like, the Wayne Taylor racing team, which is a championship-winning team, or Bob Stallings, who is one of the not only fan favorites but also always in the hunt yeah. for those big races. Clearly, they're not currently in that series, but you have a very strong – reputation as being a great guy for the long races. Is that something you see yourself doing in the next couple of years once you're back on the horse? Yeah. I mean, long or short races, just the long races, they start looking for more drivers. Exactly. So it just opens up the opportunities for employment. Right. <laughs> so all those guys, including, you know, uh, Gainsco or, or um, Wayne Taylor racing or any of the teams, they would, you know, we'd be, we'd work together full time. That'd be great. Right. You know? So, um, but yeah, I definitely see that happening. Um, I mean, it's, I was in, you know, I drove a uh, sort of a sister brother car to the one that I won the 25-hour race with Award Motorsports, 997 Cup car at Thunder Hill the other day. Yeah. I did, well, I, sh- I sh- drove a few laps the first day, and then I broke in some brake pads because nobody was around. I jumped in before anybody could get in the second day. <laughs> right. Nice. <laughs> so <laughs> they're like, what? So you go- I'm like, head, on. I'm like gone <laughs> out there. Yeah. yeah. So sorry. You guys weren't around. I had to make the decision. I'm, you know, I'm taking one for the is. team here, yeah, guys. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I did this for you. <laughs> so, but I loved it. You know, I mean, I love being out there doing it. And even when I'm at the go-kart track and I'm seeing people out there drive, it's like, oh man, I want to be out there so bad. Right. So, yeah. You know, number one priority is to get strong, to yeah. basically physically get, you know, get healed. And, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, getting back out there and, and doing it is, is something I enjoy. Car racing, you know, can it be like a full-time deal? Well, maybe, but it's still a little bit up and down. Right. But, you know, that's why I have those other, other projects and other businesses that I do, t- other side stuff that I do also, right. you know, so. So what are some of the day-to-day jobs right now? 
Uh, well, you know, the other thing is I have a uh, commercial captain's license, not for flying planes, but for driving boats. Nice. So I have a 100-ton license, which is actually a 200, for a 200,000-pound vessel, which is pretty big. Okay. And uh, so I do some some private, uh, um, you know, um, operating people's vessels. That's a lot of lemons. <laughs> <laughs> and also do some side work, like work on the Acania, which was a 136-foot steel boat that was owned by Al Capone. Oh, wow. Back oh, wow. Yeah. So well, he you, used to live right in the middle of this bay. <laughs> right, right. For a few years. That was right after he owned the boat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know how, what that coincidence is. Weird. But. That's so cool. do that and then do, you know, actually have a, uh, not finding Nemo, but sailing Memo boat charters. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So right. I have a boat yeah, charter business that I do and do a lot of coaching. And so all that sort of stuff just sort of fill in. Yeah. But yeah, number one thing is if I could get back into a race car and, and uh, not if I could, but if I could get hired by somebody right. Right. Uh, and do it full time, then that's what I, that's what I would do. That's what I enjoy. I'd say the most, um, you know, on a full time basis. So, um, it's uh, it's it can happen for sure. I mean, you know, my hero right now is a guy like Scott Pruitt. Yeah. I mean, the guy's awesome. You know, guys like Scott Dixon and whoever yeah. else gets in the car, and he runs the same or faster lap times. Yeah. And, and he's he, like 85 years old. I think he's like and 86. He's yeah, just got exactly. Social Security got going. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not like you can't do it. And like I've always said, you know, with anything, it's it's your desire to do it. How bad you do know, you how bad do you want to yeah. do it? And so um, I can do it for sure, without a doubt. Uh, time frame wise. You know, uh, it's, you know, it's six months after the surgery. So it, it'd probably be a year before I'm able to get back yeah. in and drive something like that, because it'll be another four or five months before the surgery, probably. So, um, you know, oh, that seems like a long time, but I'm still younger than Scott Pruitt. So. Right, right. <laughs> for sure. Coming for you, Pruitt. Yeah. yeah. You're my guy. He's my hero. <laughs> but yeah, I want to get back out there for sure. Awesome. So. so when the time comes that uh, that you're ready to, to, to put yourself out there for teams, Will you let us make a promotional video, but we won't let you preview it? Well, it depends. Like, where are you going to do it? Like, in the bathtub? We're not sure. We'll figure okay. it out. We've got to plot it out. We've got a storyboard. We're well, going to make it. I'm just saying. I'm imagining. Do I have some... to sign this release or what? <laughs> I, do you wear a hat when you're when you're driving the boat? Like, I, I want. Ca- yeah. Did you have, like, a pirate's hat or, like, you know, a captain's hat? Yeah. What's the. Uh, what, like, Gilligan? Was, Gilligan. Yes. Island, yes. Right? I have that's, one of those yes. hats. That's Absolutely. what I was. I wanted, do that. I wanted that so <laughs> bad. And you got to have the stripes on the, yeah, you know, course. stripes yep. on the sleeves. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Right. Excellent. We have a business. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we have a right. We've got another client. <laughs> We're going to be fine. Yeah, it's all good. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for uh, taking the time with us. We, yeah. We uh, <laughs> can't wait to see you get back in a race car, but we appreciate thanks. you letting us come into your home, which is so weird that people are letting us come into their homes. Yeah. Like we've been into Colin, uh, or sorry, uh, Bo Jeff Barfield's Brown. house and, oh, and cool. yeah. Jeff Brown's house. And both of them were super accommodating. And you ordered the food for us. Yeah. Like none of them ordered. Well, yeah. We had to order food for Bo. Yeah. And then Jeff and his wife cooked for us, which is amazing. Oh, really? Yeah, we were yeah. like, oh, you don't have to do that. Like, we'll bring something. My fiance was all worried because she said, oh, this place is a mess when you come in here. I'm like, huh? Uh, Brian just spent five days at my house. Yeah, no, this and is so like this the is Taj a, Mahal. A treat. It's like spotless. Great. I so. could eat off the floor After here. After we get off of this, tell her that also. And I didn't tell you to say that. <laughs> right. So yeah, I'm just kind of like out loud, like I've come up with it on my own. Like, man, this place is clean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I heard that. (laughs) 
No, it's great seeing you guys. You know, I appreciate you coming up here. You know, any any way to get out there and get my not my message, but just uh, you know, uh, my experiences out there. It's it's motivational for me. It gets my juices flowing uh, a little bit more, which just fires me up even more. So really appreciate it. So thank you cool. very much. I'd say Continental's got the check, but really Mimo does. Got the check? No, we paid. You got yeah, a we check? Did pay for yeah, it. we paid. Oh, you got a check? You guys are oh, great. God, yeah, no. yeah. great. You guys and are? here's a paycheck. Don't tell everybody else that you're going to go interview that you paid me, what, like $250,000 or Yeah, I think like it was, that? yeah, it was a quarter mil. Yeah, quarter mil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but it's, uh, we read your contract. Yeah, it's standard it's, for you. So It's part okay. of NASCAR's insurance. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks to Jim France for yeah, the meal. Thank for you. That, yes. For this rehab fee. That's good. I like it. Awesome. Well, in this case, Continental's got the check. Nice. I like it. And there's leftovers. I can eat these tomorrow, too. I'm finished. Hands down, one of my favorite conversations. The great Mamo Gidley. Unbelievable attitude, unbelievable storyteller, and a great mindset despite everything he's gone through. So how can you not love that guy? So carrying us out we will uh, return to a band called slightly stupid they have a uh, great song available on itunes called one bright day figured to be a good tribute here so let's hear You've been through so much. 